Hello Modern Mystics. Spells for the Modern Mystic, a ritual guidebook and spellcasting kit, is coming out on September 29th and is available wherever books are sold. Brandon and I have created a book and kit with the essentials for a complete ritual practice, including 25 spells for healing, wealth, love, and personal transformation. It also comes with 11 spell candles, three incense cones, and ritual oil. So you can do all of the rituals in the book with the contents and additional household items. We poured our hearts into the book and shared all of the rituals that I used to help me find my soulmate, Brandon. I used these rituals to open Modern Mystic Shop, to get our dream home, and to quickly raise money to be able to get our inventory for Good Morning America. These rituals have changed our lives and we know they can do the same for you. So please support us by placing a pre-order today and help us get on the best sellers list so we can help impact even more people with these practices. Thanks so much, guys. Hi, Emily. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for joining. I start with every guest and I ask them to set the stage about what was going on the day they were born, what the family life was like, what was going on in the environment. So tell me about that. Right. Mm. It's funny, whenever whenever you told me you were going to start with questions like that, it was like, you are going to get me talking about things I've literally never shared in over five years of podcasting. Like, I've always talked about how you guys hear me talking business and stuff um, or sharing so much of what I do, but you know, no one actually knows anything about me. So you're about to, like, probably uncover more about me than anyone ever has. <laughs> whenever I, I was born super early, so I was like... I think a 30, 32 week baby. So I was super preemie. I was not expected that day by any means. Um, I was born in July. So it was hot as hell because we're in, in Alabama, right? So it was very hot. Um, and my mom was super young. So my mom was young. My parents uh, were not married. My mom was very young. And um, from what I'm told, my biological father was an alcoholic. So while I was, um, while I was in the, I, and I spent probably my first six weeks, I think, in the hospital. I was so preemie. And during that time, um, I think my mom made the break with my biological father during that little window of time. So that's most of what I know is that um, things were not great, but, and I was, my mom's obvious number one priority at that point, especially considering I was born uh, so premature, I needed so much attention. And that was also very hard on my mom because I couldn't, um, you know, back then, <laughs> I don't think back then they like let you hold preemie babies and things like that. Like that wasn't something that, um, that wasn't something that was as encouraged. So it was very difficult for my mom to go through all of that um, with her first child and in a tumultuous relationship. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I was born into very early and to a couple that was not working out well. 
So when your mom brought you home, was she living on her own or were you living with family? Was there support there for you guys? Yes. So I, um, I lived with my grandmother until with my mom and my grandmother and my mom had a sister. She has two sisters. She's the middle child. Um, she had a younger sister who was, um, 10 years younger than her. So almost even probably more my, like she actually is pretty much right in between my mom's age and there's her younger sister and there's me. She's like right in the middle. So it was like, I had a, um, it was like I had an older sister, so I stayed with my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother until I was five. Oh, wow. And so what was that household like regarding, we try to talk about people's sort of religious or spiritual upbringing. Was there any sort of, you know, religion or spirituality or anything cool like that? Um, There was some religion, nothing cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? I actually don't super remember going to church a lot whenever I was very young. I'm sure it did happen. Um, My grandmother, so my grandfather actually left my grandmother whenever my mom was about 12 years old, So, which is why it was like my grandmother, my mom, and my aunt living together, and then me there with them. Um, So my grandmother worked a ton, like from the time I was super young. Um, and, you know, 10 years prior to that, worked several jobs to sort of hold everything together. And um, I think because she wasn't making everyone go to church as often as I ended up going to church later in my life, I don't really recall what religious things were happening very early on. But whenever I yeah. did, uh, whenever I did get a little bit older, my mom ended up marrying um, when she or when I was five. I do remember from that point on going to church three day or three times a week from then until I left for wow. college. So uh, I was raised very, uh, very Christian, very Church of Christ Christian, Christian, which is a little more conservative than, say, your Southern Baptists or whatever else. Uh, not the most conservative by any means, but still quite a bit more conservative than, you know, my school friends or whatever. So what does that look like when you go to church three days a week? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Crying? No, no. And I, I didn't mind it. I didn't super mind it. It was just my life and it's what I knew. So um, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and then Wednesday evening. And Sunday morning was the big one. Um, mm-hmm. And in Church of Christ, there's no like music or anything. So it's lots of like acapella group singing. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, and then um, all very male led women were not allowed to uh, to do or say very much at all. And um, so that was like Sunday was like lots of singing, lots of preaching and Sunday school. Sunday evening was lots of singing um, and some preaching. And then Wednesdays was singing, preaching and like kid classes, too. Yeah. Um, so three days a week for probably 12, 16 years of my life. That's a lot of hours clocked in. Yeah. <laughs> there. A lot. So, so when you wound up leaving your grandmother's house, did you live still within close proximity? And was she and her aunt still part of your life? Yes, very much so. And so we actually only moved like a block away, two blocks okay. away. Whenever we moved, um, my and I'll call him my dad. The man my mom married is the only dad I've ever known. Yeah, he's fantastic, um, and he's very much so. Like I never think about 
the sperm donor. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, whenever I'm talking about my dad, I'm talking about the guy that, that my mom married. Um, so, cause he's always, he's always been that figure for me. Um, but whenever I was, uh, whenever they married, they moved about two blocks away. My dad owned a house in the neighborhood. Um, and a couple, for a couple of years, my grandmother moved to a couple different places. And then eventually my mom, um, my dad bought the property around, um, the house that he was living in not very much, like maybe two acres or so and ended up building my grandmother a house. So oh, wow. from the time that I was probably about eight until really technically now, my grandmother was my neighbor. So I've always stayed very close to my grandmother. She's very important to me and um, and has definitely in her own way played uh, some interesting, uh, an interesting role into like who I've become in general, obviously, but also my spiritual path as well. Um, but yes, I've always stayed very close with my grandmother, especially. And how would you say she did impact your spiritual path? Oh, my grandmother's a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. She would, she would never say it. I don't think she might these days she might. Um, but I always grew up, um, knowing my grandmother could see ghosts. For example, from in plenty of stories from the time that she was a very small child um, up until, you know, even the past couple of years, she's told me some interesting things that she's seen Um, ghosts or spirits or whatever you want to call them. um, She can just generally see them quite often, but sometimes they'll also speak to her and tell her to do things. And um, she's always been very open about it. She's never I mean, I guess. In some companies, you probably wouldn't be as open about it. But with us, she's always been very open about it. And it's always, despite my, like, super conservative upbringing, has always uh, lended to me this sort of air of this, like, otherworldliness, that there is something more out there than just, you know, what I'm being told three days a week. Um, So uh, my – and there's – just other interesting things that I think have come down through that as well. But because of the very religious um, sort of threads that have woven themselves through, it's like we don't talk about it as much. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's always been very heavily oppressed in a way where they would not as openly, uh, as openly talk about it or admit it or, um, or explore it. Really, Mm -hmm. it's just something that happens, not something they're going to deepen in any way. Yeah. What were you like when you were a kid as far as hobbies, activities, you know, friends? What I'm imagining, I wonder if we would be friends (laughs) when we were little kids together. What were you doing? Because I know you like rocks and plants and you're making money. Is that what you said? No, I I, I said maybe. We we, we would probably be friends. Um, I was kind of friends with everyone. I've thought about this many times over the years, especially considering the work that I've gone into where I'm bringing, you know, bringing together lots of people um, to do things. Um, I've always been friends with kind of everyone. Um, I could easily bounce between like, you know, the super sort of it's funny in my school experience the smart people were also the jocks like there weren't nerds there were like smart sort of preppy people mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there was like I I had friends in all of the groups basically so we probably would have been friends I was kind of friends <laughs> with anyone who would who would chat with me um and I did all kinds of things um one of the things with you know how I was brought up and even you know once my mom remarried or just, I guess, for the first time married, 
um, we did not have a lot of money. And even like as I've um, as I've grown older and become more aware of my my family's um, sort of financial situation, like we probably grew up just under the poverty line through and even probably even my parents now though I don't think quite as much now as it was whenever whenever I was younger um but that didn't keep my mom from encouraging me to do literally anything and everything so Mm. I remember I was a cheerleader for a season I played softball I took dance for years Um, my mom really encouraged me to uh to try anything and everything and never really like forced me to stay in something too which I very much so appreciate I would try something for a season or two or three and if it didn't serve me anymore I could I could try something else and so yeah I was really able and encouraged to explore any and everything um I did play outside a ton I've always collected rocks. You're right. <laughs> From the time that I was a little kid. Um, I remember making lots of mud pies, even probably when I was too old to maybe where I should have been <laughs> making mud pies still. Um, there was a ditch <laughs> behind my house that I played in all the time. It was like my, like, I don't know, fantastic fairy getaway or whatever. Um, I definitely played outside a ton, both with friends, kind of. Again, I didn't live in like a super child-friendly neighborhood, so there weren't a lot of kids around. Um, But I also never really minded playing by myself either. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have siblings, Emily? I I do. This is one of those funny things. I have a couple of siblings. I am all of these things. I am an only child. I'm the first child, I'm the last child, and I'm the middle child. I am, I am, to feed <laughs> off of you, I am an only child, and I've been the oldest and the youngest in different families. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, my my dad has two, or I married into, my mom married into me having two older half-sisters, or stepsisters. I have two younger half sisters, um, and but I am the only like child mm-hmm. from my biological parents. So yeah, same. five essentially, but I really just grew up for the most part with my two younger, my two younger sisters. Do you have any recollection about when you became not became aware of God? Because it sounds like that was sort of you know part of your young years, but. Have you had an experience of God or an understanding that's more tangible than just being taught some sort of doctrine about about it? It's funny. I feel like most of my sort of spiritual journey, maybe at least until at least for a while, was not about experiencing God, but about unexperiencing what I was told mm. sort of God and the world was. What right? Were you told? So I um, it was very like God fearing scenario. Mm. Like I should be afraid of all kinds of things. And, and that really played into, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I was helping my mom clean out, um, like just to illustrate this, I was helping my mom clean out some boxes of old stuff. And there was this box and she was like, she was like, you're going to think it's weird when you see what's in there. And I'm like, well, <laughs> now I can't wait to see what's in there. <laughs> And so I open it up and it's like books on divination and witchcraft 
and all of these things in this box. And I was like, oh my God, mom, this is great. And she was like, I could tell she was like sweating and felt really weird about it. And I've always known, she's always been very attracted to the occult <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, and she, but she's also very much so hit it. And she told me in that moment, she was like, I've always been too afraid to, um, to explore this because I feel like, um, because I feel like something bad will happen to my children. Oh, wow. If I like, right. And so like, that is what I was taught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That like, that if you do anything that's not like cut and dry, the black or white of this is how we show up. This is what it means to worship. This is what it means to like be of service in the world. All of these things. Then you were just going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's and pretty so, normal. Yes, I think so, which is unfortunate. Um, But I feel like a lot of my experience has actually been more so, um, more so unlearning that and probably very much so in seeing like kindness and compassion and love outside of those definitions of where those things can show up. So um, like, I can't even really think of any good examples I remember being 16 and going to um going to Paris going to Europe getting on a plane for the first time and really that being a turning point of seeing that the world was so much bigger that the experience of like joy and happiness and all these things was so much bigger that was a really big turning point for me so for me it's always been more of like um a different experience of humans and very much so a very serious experience of nature um that has Mm. always been um that has always been that for me so not like I'm not seeing any spirits no nothing's telling me what to do like they are my grandmother or anything like that for me it's been very much so just experiencing the world in a different way that makes a lot of sense. I remember something similar too, where I remember being exposed to people of different religions and then bringing it back to the home and having the conversation to say, you're trying to tell me that this Christian, you know, criminal has a better chance of going to hell than this really nice Jewish man that I just met. And that was, that was a turning point for me. And I think it's a very, uh, I think you're right when you expand your worldview and you come into contact with a lot of people and a lot of grace and a lot of different ways, it doesn't make sense oftentimes to even the logical mind. You're like, that doesn't make sense. You know, why would, why would that be? I've always had a very strong bullshit meter. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so once I had something to compare it to, yeah, it was like, what in the world is even happening around here? Um, and even then, and I've thought about this a little bit, even whenever I was going to church three days a week, I was never really being fully indoctrinated. Like, it wasn't sticking. I remember mm. I've always been very studious. I was a straight-A student, so that was also me whenever I was a kid. Um, like, hardcore reader. I read anything and everything I could get my hands on um, and was super smart. But for whatever reason, I could never memorize scripture Mm. I could never remember the correct order of the books of the bible like for whatever reason those things would not stick within me um and I've looked back at it now and realized that like I think even then I was calling bullshit yeah in my own like little child way I was not really feeling in alignment with what I was being taught that makes sense so it sounds like just more age and worldview and experience helped you 
to kind of unlearn. Was there any other things? Did you ever have to go after the unlearning in like a real conscious way? Or do you think it was more just through life experience that you started to slowly shift your mindset around it? I think just life experience. I mean, yeah. I do remember maybe the heart the most difficult thing for me was probably telling my my mom in particular um that I wasn't going to keep going to church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what was like, that conversation I, like? <laughs> um I remember it being difficult, but I've also been like a very like strong within myself kind of person, so it sure. wasn't as hard for me as I know it is a lot of people. Yeah. You know, so it never really it didn't bother me as much as it would a lot of people. Um, I remember her being very sad. I I remember going off to college whenever I turned 18. And at that point, like, I never took myself to church. I literally have never been responsible for taking myself. Or I never claimed the responsibility, I guess, <laughs> right. to take myself to church. Right. As soon as I moved out of the house, I never went again on my own free will. Um, I would whenever I would go home for the holidays or whatever, but even that didn't last very long. Um, and I remember my mom calling me every Sunday, did you go to church today? Did you go? And I was like, no, I had to work or just like would make something up or whatever. Um, and then I remember thinking, okay, I cannot keep lying about this. I have no intention to ever go to church again um, and having that discussion with her. And it was hard. I remember her crying um, a lot, but she also accepted it, which again, in the same vein that she always really encouraged me to try lots of things to find out what I like. She's always been pretty accepting um, of, you know, my choices, whatever, whatever they may be. Was there ever a gap? Um, So like for me, I'll just as an example, you know, I was raised Catholic and then I didn't have the next thing that because there's something about the faith in God and Jesus that's a little um, calming or something. At least you feel like you have an answer. So was there a gap and what was that like for you? And if not, like uh, how did your sense of faith shift? What did you have faith in, if anything? Yeah, um, I definitely became very worldly. (laughs) Mm hmm. Okay. At that point, right? Which was, and, and I, which I needed to experience. I needed to experience all the worldliness. Um, and then, and then, where did I find? It's funny. I was both very worldly, but also very much so finding myself. And not, I wasn't like a crazy. I didn't go out and do anything completely nuts by any means. Um, but for me, like my form of spirituality is very closely tied to the earth and yeah. nature. And so even in college, like a, maybe a year after I finally came out to my mother that I was not a Christian anymore, I, or I did not identify with that, and I probably never had, um, I found my way into geography, like in my like school studies. So I literally started studying the earth. And for me, that was, um, that was, I completely changed sort of my career trajectory. I, um really sort of found a centering in myself even at that point um so it was like earth studies earth science studies that I always felt was a little deeper than that um paired with sort of art history studies which I always loved because of the sort of symbology and even like the magic and the mystery of all of that so very very soon I found in my like university studies um sort of the beginning inklings of really what turned into my spiritual path and then it probably wasn't until 
probably wasn't until five, six, seven, eight years later that um, I discovered or I simply heard the word empath. Mm. And I went down that rabbit hole and I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Because I a million percent uh, resonated with um, with with what an empath was. And I remember having a conversation with my partner, David, and being like, I think I'm an empath. And he's always been very accepting and just and both accepting, but also just generally hearing me out, whether he's accepting it or not. <laughs> yeah. And I remember having this conversation about, and that really opened the door for me to this wider sort of universe of energies and my own connection to them and then how everything else sort of started um, started coming together. So I, I think the gap was just me exploring further who I am, both becoming by becoming very worldly um, in, you know, my own ways, but also in, um, in literally studying and beginning to understand the things that have become immensely important to me. Do you have um, any affiliation with the notion of animism? Do you believe or feel that, you know, I don't know, the earth and animals have spirits? Or has that ever played a part in kind of your spiritual journey since you were so inclined to resonate with the earth energies? For sure. And I think this goes back to even me playing as a kid, you know, in the ditch, but in our backyard by myself yeah. for hours on end is like, I don't really remember what was happening back there, but I was being entertained one way or another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a really real way. And since then, absolutely. Like I've been, it's actually one of the reasons why I live where I live now is, um, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee now. And, um, Lookout Mountain has its own spirit. Mm. Uh, Like I can look at that mountain and know that I'm looking at something insanely magical that I don't even begin to understand. Um, So yes, I definitely, I think that trees and flowers and animals and and land masses like all of these things hold an energy um and in some cases very much so have a spirit and I think I connect to those in a way that a lot of people a lot of people probably don't yeah well especially with if you identify as an empath I feel like those sorts of people are more attuned to the energies around them in all forms just as doesn't mean you know with other people so that that sounds that makes sense to me. Um, so I'm curious. You're a mother, um, and you have. I mean, how old were you when you had Lily? You were. I was. I was about the age my mom was when she had me. So I think I was maybe a year older. I was 21 when I had Lily. Almost 22. I think my mom was 20, 21 whenever she had me. And I'm curious if be, becoming pregnant and giving birth and motherhood if that has shifted any sort of spiritual beliefs or notions or I don't know does I'm just curious I've not had those experiences or do you think it's been the same throughout it's funny I I've had a very different experience with motherhood than most people do I did not necessarily want to have a kid I'm very glad I do I think my child is very special but I think I can only be a mother to her (laughs) yeah Sure. Even though I'm, well, no, I am a cancer. I will also literally be a mother to anyone, but <laughs> <laughs> in this form, like she, she is just my child and I think sure. that's great. Um, so 
I did not have that like very spiritual experience that a lot of people that a lot of moms have whenever they have kids and I don't know that I don't know that very directly it has influenced much but I will absolutely say that having a child will definitely force you to be more mindful and more thoughtful and more disciplined in a way that does reinforce a spiritual journey or Mm -hmm. you know exploration um so in that way yes for sure um but i think in the traditional way that a lot of people speak about not Mm -hmm. so much for me yeah that's fair how do you create space for your daughter to create her sense of spirituality are you influencing it or what is that like um I think I'm not like I'm influencing it by being me yeah right so actually actually very recently I was telling you I was like okay there's this house that I want Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you were like okay I have a spell for you and Mm -hmm. I was like perfect so you (laughs) sent it to me and I start collecting things and I my kid was like what are you doing because I brought home a box to turn it into the house like all these things and I was like I'm doing a spell and she was like of course you are (laughs) (laughs) so she's also you know a preteen now so there's like an extra eye roll and like a little annoyance with me uh, which is fine and so I think by me just being me and I I also we spend a lot of time in nature like nature is a very very much so a part of our existence uh, that I think in just me being me I influence her but I also want to give her as much space as she needs to sort of have her own journey. I very much so realize, especially over the past couple of years, um, that she in particular is meant to have her complete own, not quite separate, but almost separate experience of especially the next couple of years in her life. And then I'm just here to like create space for that. Yeah, you're just parallel maybe. Yes, yes. And so, and for that, like, I, I don't encourage, I don't, we're not, we're not going to church three days a week. Right. <laughs> Nothing right. like that. Nothing like that. But I, I do very much so either make her a part of my own practices or she's at least privy to them. You know, you just had me thinking how a lot of people of our generation were raised Christian and then we kind of had this push against and then we landed in some sort of new age witchy psycho-spiritual often kind of realm. I'm wondering if like this generation that's raised by all of these witches are going to like push against and be like, no, organized religion. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just part of the, the coming of age. <laughs> Very possibly. Though I will say uh, my kid does not like structure or rules, so probably not her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering what that's going to look like, you know, when we're interviewing someone in 30 years, like, well, my mom was a freaking witch and it was so... <laughs> I just had to I just had to get baptized into the Catholic Church (laughs) right I cut down all my trees and went to church (laughs) wouldn't that be so very possible I think it's very possible because there's always that polarity in the pendulum that kind of goes back and forth oh my goodness well um so you kind of described a little bit about your spiritual practice what are some of your tools like your go-to because we're a lot about practical magic, right? So, so do you have spiritual tools that you apply on a day-to-day basis? For sure. I mean, I have 
oracle and tarot cards around yeah. me all the time. Um, I love crystals. Yes. Um, I literally have gotten in the business of selling them over the yeah. past couple of years and helping other people build their rock collections because I love rock collections a ton. Um, I also, like my personal probably favorite modality is astrology. Mm-hmm. I am a bit of an astro nerd, uh, which is not something that a lot of people know about me, uh, but I've been studying it for several years and I'm not proficient. I don't like read for really anyone else. It's just for like my own, like I'm always like watching what's happening around me. I'm also watching obviously my kids chart a lot and my own and my partner's chart. Um, so it's very much so a personal practice. It's not something I do very outwardly, but Astrology is probably my modality of choice. Do you use it proactively or do you watch the transits and you use it to sort of validate what you're going through or both? I use it mostly for validation. 100%. <laughs> I mean, that's what I love about astrology. I find it to be very validating in a in a soothing way. It's like, oh, I'm not crazy. It's the astrology. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, mostly validating. But I will look ahead at some things, especially major transits. Um, Like I mentioned, my own kid, poor thing. I know she's going to be going through Pluto transit after Pluto transit after Pluto transit over the next, like, six to eight years or whatever. And so, like, I can look at that and just both validate now but also can prepare myself for the future um i also just got done going through a couple of big transits so like i'm in the clear for a hot moment so there's not a whole lot of prepping i need to do for myself but i also knew they were coming so i was able to do a little bit more prep work more like more of an understanding that i need to search out the validation yeah (laughs) because you never know how these things are going to show up there really is no prep work that you can actually do um except just sort of this inner understanding that you know you're not losing your mind you know not everyone's out to get you like whatever it may be sure it's more of understanding that you're going to need that validation in the future so look here for it have you ever done the sinistry chart between you and your daughter I have not. I well, no, that's a lie. I've looked at it myself. Yeah. Um, but I'm not very well versed in reading uh those charts. Yeah, it seems like it would be um, complex. In that way. Yeah. Right? So I've looked at it and I think there are some interesting things there. But again, my or her chart and my partner's chart are very like there's lots of things happening. My chart and my daughter's chart is like there's not a lot of stuff happening Mm. which is why I say like I'm here to hold space yeah but probably not actually to facilitate as much as like my partner is for example that's so interesting that I mean Mm. and that takes a sense of um sort of humility to say maybe I'm not the star player in my kid's life I bet a lot of moms feel that way or would want to be or whatever to say like I'm in the supporting cast and it was divinely orchestrated this way and it it might probably be easier on you that way, I feel like, than having to be embroiled in it maybe like David might wind up being because there's yeah. karma there for him too. Yeah, right, right. It's And especially for someone like me who is a total type A control freak. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the learning, <laughs> it's a, right? It's like how to, <laughs> how to be passively supportive. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely given me uh, both the challenge of doing it but also the permission to just like – just allow things to happen. Yeah. Well, let's talk about crystals a little bit, because I know a lot of our listeners are like crystal nerds and fans. How do you 
either use crystals through your practice or see your customers at an almanac supply company we can um engaging with them as a spiritual tool not just as like a pretty shiny thing on a desk our customers use them in all kinds of ways. Yeah. We have people who come in and are buying crystals for, you know, body layouts or um, literally just creating beds of rose quartz to lay in. <laughs> just, and crystal grids yeah. and, you know, Reiki practices. Like, I mean, it really spans all. Of, and also just people who want to create beautiful rock collections who are sure. not necessarily doing it for the metaphysical purposes, which is a line that I really cross is, um, is we do have a lot of customers who are not metaphysically minded, who mm. really are just there because they want to add, you know, a really great, uh, large, clear quartz point to their rock collection on their bookshelf, yeah. you know, at their yeah. office or whatever. So, um, so customers really just run the whole gamut. Um, but personally, I do both. I'm very much low, much so a mundane rock collector. Yeah. <laughs> But I also do keep stones with me um, at all times. Literally, as I'm saying this, I have like a dish of them here on my desk. My bedside table is covered in them. And I use them a lot in meditation. Like, yeah. And I like really like pretty large pieces. I like to lay down and I like to put them on my chest. And that and like I will lay and meditate um, with crystals. That is how that is how I do it, as well as, you know, keeping them in my bras and pockets like everyone else does um but I meditate often with crystals I will occasionally do some gridding but that's not really how I use them as effectively for me it's more of this like inner um inner seeking that comes from meditating with them and so I guess some people ask me all the time be curious what you would say like how do you know the crystals are working you know the metaphysical properties of it so how do you know personally when you are resonating uh with the crystal and you're experiencing maybe some of the healing metaphysical properties for me it's a couple of things one i don't think it's something that i ever just like oh i feel it yeah <laughs> Yeah, like like that's not happening sure. necessarily for sure. me. There has been a couple of times and there are a couple of crystals um, that I have in my life that like we're best friends. Like mm -hmm. I'm never letting these crystals go. Right. Um, but it's something it's a relationship that has developed over time. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, I and I will. So in a couple of things. I also am very much so I think because of my like love and respect for the earth and that connection there. Um, synchronicities around crystals work a lot for me um, mm. or it just happens a lot for me so one of my favorite stories is um, several years ago before we even had before Almanac Supply Co was even a twinkle in my eye <laughs> <laughs> um, David and I were going to exchange uh, this is probably five years ago we were going to exchange some winter solstice gifts um, and for weeks beforehand I just kept seeing Labradorite everywhere everywhere mm. like it was in you know a necklace that flashed flashed across my screen it was someone was talking about it it came up in some tv show like it just like happened over and over again and it was so weird that i started like i was telling david one day i was like i think maybe i should get some labradorite um and for the solstice i walked around our living room counter or our living room corner and sitting on our kitchen counter was a huge chunk of labradorite 
that David had bought for me about two weeks before, and that was my winter solstice gift. Oh, wow. And I saw it coming. Yeah. Like, I, like, or I was being told that it was coming, I think. And so, and things like that have kind of happened for me a couple of times, usually more so in the realm, it's funny, I'm going to say in the realm of crystals, but I also say I've, I can manifest lots of interesting synchronicities in both numerology and also just like other earthy things. Um, but it happens quite often in crystals as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Same with me. I first got into crystals because people kept on gifting me selenite. Like many people, like strangers sometimes were like, hey, you could use this. I feel like I need to give this to you or I'd be somewhere and they're like, you can hold this. And then they're like, just take it. Uh, And that's kind of how I got introduced. And it's still my favorite crystal. I think for the work, the kind of work that I do, there's always selenite nearby. Um, But I think they find their way. And for me, I think they're kind of like, I think of them more as like a supplement than a primary modality. And I feel like they enhance. Is that kind of how you feel about it too? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, what- I think enhancing and, and even going back to what I was saying with it being a um, like it is a slow thing you, you, to go back to the question that you actually asked. Because <laughs> I got on a story there um, is I can tell it's working when when I'm in meditation and things are coming to me that I know are not my own. Or I can tell they're mm-hmm. not my own thoughts like. Um, something is like this crystal is telling me something or it is a sort of vehicle for some other message that I need to receive, sure. whatever it may be. And that takes, it takes a lot of time and depending on the crystals, there are some crystals that I think I resonate with a lot more easily than others. Um, but it takes quite a bit of time to sort of get to that place. And sometimes it can be like several days of meditating with a crystal before I'm like, Oh, like there you are. I yeah. see you, you know, yeah. and so for me, that's that's how they work, and that's how they work for me, and that's how I know that it's working. Is I can really get get quiet and meditate to the point with a crystal that it's it begins telling me things. Is that a weird thing? To no, say? this guy um, tells me. I have my Lemurian <laughs> in my hand. He tells me all sorts of things. Like it's like I feel like I'm. I hate the word download because I feel like it's overused, but it's just like a stream of just like. Sometimes unwanted yeah. information that I didn't even ask, you know, didn't even ask about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Lemurians are no joke. I will say, so I've mentioned there are a couple of crystals in my life that, like, are my best friends and I'll never leave them. One is that piece of Labradorite. Um, it's still by my bedside table. Um, and one is oh, quite a large um, smoky Lemurian point that mm. I that came into my possession several months ago. Um, that also lays by my bed and I'll tell like I wake up in the morning one of the first things I do is grab that buddy stick him on my chest and hang out for a few minutes oh wow right and Lemurians are no joke yeah <laughs> I love it I felt so attached I, I ran across a box of them they were so beautiful at a show and I was so attached that I couldn't put them for sale in general I hand picked every person that got one of these Lemurians because I could not stand them being thrown in a shoebox somewhere or someone not understanding how special they were. And I've I've not actually been that hardcore about, we buy so many, you know, <laughs> crystals in a year, but I was like, nope, I'm going to, I was like an adoption agency for these <laughs> Lemurian points. <laughs> And I sold. I, love, I totally get it. Yeah, I sold every I totally single get one it. to someone are, that I know. Are quite special. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I like it. 
Um, you mentioned uh, like a winter solstice gift, which is around Christmas. So do you guys um, celebrate any secular holidays or have you sort of gone with more like the equinoxes and solstices? Like what's that like in your family? We do a little bit more equinox and solstice, but like we're also American. We do Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I was just curious. <laughs> we do yeah. in our family. <laughs> yeah yeah our family still does it and we participate but like I'll tell you and this is even like a Christian thing but we haven't really done Santa with my daughter like mm. that was kind of one of those things really early on of like am I literally gonna lie to my child and tell her that a old man comes down our <laughs> chimney that doesn't exist yeah one night and just leave stuff for her like that I also have one of those kids who's literally never like met a stranger so mm. like it felt better for just her self-preservation if I didn't encourage her to accept those sorts of things into her life um very wise so (laughs) right um so I don't mind literally breaking all the rules guys um so we do still do some Christmas but we also very much so bring like winter solstice into that we're and every year we sort of shift that holiday a bit more and a bit more Mm -hmm. to being more of a solstice than a Christmas um and this year it'll probably be literally more so than ever so um we definitely do a lot around around the will of the year much more so than um than sort of secular stuff but you know it's very much so ingrained in us I still make a ham at Easter yeah because it's also spring and I want to eat a ham so yeah we were the same <laughs> it way. all very much so aligns yeah this at uh, this last um Christmas we really leaned into the um solstice vibes and created a tree with um like no ornaments but we had these different uh, like um sorry cranberries and oranges and really tried to make this like if this was an altar of the season what would this look like and it was more meaningful to me to have something that was like living with organic materials as opposed to like plastic you know plastic bulbs and and whatever And something that's yours and your interpretation of the season, not something that belongs to, you know, generations and generations ago, Yeah, you know, that like you're just doing because everyone's still doing it. I've definitely found that to be true also for my own experience of even just like breaking away from even the fun parts of how I was brought up. Like Christmas is a fun thing, but like. And the idea of leaving it behind, we obviously haven't completely left it behind because it is such a a joyful time of year. But I also am, the more I break away from it and experience my, like my holidays, um, really the more I find fulfillment in them. There's something to it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, in our last little bit, I mean, we've got a big project together coming up. And so I... I want to get into that a little bit. And my question to lead us into that is, what is the witchiest, quote unquote, practice that you have related to your business? Is there anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Oh my God, I have to think about this for a second. Um, It's funny. <laughs> this is, makes, make, make me sound like a crazy person or like at least a potentially hypocrite. It's crystal gritting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right? The thing that I said that I don't really do very much uh, because I don't really feel like it aligns, it actually is something that I've begun doing a lot in my business over the past couple of years. And I maybe say that because I don't do it very often. 
Um, but several times over the past couple of years, I've done some very intentional, almost larger scale gridding. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I have made bigger moves in my business or in particular gotten a space mm-hmm. or you know, a couple of spaces in the past couple of years, um, I do a good bit of sort of gridding and intention setting in those spaces or whatever space I'm working in whenever I'm either getting that space or, um, or changing the purpose of that space. Mm. So I actually do a good bit of gridding. And then I use tarot constantly in my business. Um, and not that that's like the witchiest thing ever, but I use it in ways that probably a lot of people don't think about using tarot in business just for like everyday decisions or big decisions or gut checks or deciding on pricing structures or like Same. whatever it may be. I'm using tarot a lot for those sorts of things. Um, so crystals and tarot. Yeah. The huge. Yeah, I think that's great. Is there a certain tarot card that means, you know, success or follow this direction for you when it comes to business is there anything that when you pull it you're like yes (laughs) yes and I I think you're gonna love this so one of my favorite decks is the wildwood tarot Mm -hmm, deck mm -hmm. Um, I don't use it all the time but I very much so connect with like that way of living with the earth Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think many people can relate to that deck very much I do a lot Um, and the empress card in that deck is the green woman Mm. and every time I pull that card it's like a wink from the universe yeah because the green man and therefore the green woman have been have been one of those like very synchronistic um I guess what is the word I'm looking for Uh, I guess just like beings or like symbols Mm. that has popped up in my life many times over the past couple of years. And I can even like pinpoint several times when it's come up for me um, that it's sort of become like my good luck charm whenever I see it or um, or someone mentions it or whatever it may be. I know that like that it's a little message for me. So whenever I'm pulling for business or really anything, but I feel like it definitely does come up mostly around business and I pull the Empress card or the green woman in that Wildwood Tarot deck. Um, I know that it's for me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love when these, especially for you, because you say that you have a lot of synchronicities and that's part of your magic, right? So with like you're seeing the Labradorite and you have the stalker card that's a positive stalker. Um, I think that that's an, in on brand for how you've been explaining kind of these mystical experiences and i love to tell our audience that that you know signs and synchronicities are a real way to navigate and they really do create a guidepost uh, at junctures and so be open to paying attention to figuring out what yours are you know these things that you see over and over again um Because it's never a coincidence, right, Emily? I mean... No. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's not. And you will find that you have several. I mean, I have... There are multiple little signs and symbols in my life. And again, I think that, again, goes back to that, like, art history. Like, education back in the day where I was, like, this close. Mm. And my fingers are, like, millimeters away. (laughs) This close um, to becoming an art historian because I so loved symbology and like diving into what these things mean and how they were, you know, portrayed and used in art and culture and all of those things. And so for me, there's definitely several, several things that pop up. And I always know that 
Um, I always know that I'm being directed in those moments. Um, and the more you look for them and the more you acknowledge them, the more the, the more they do show up. And I also these days see it as a sign of my own sort of mental and spiritual well-being mm. of if like synchronicities are rampant then like i'm doing it yeah. like i'm showing up i'm feeling great i'm open to it all of these things but if they're gone yeah. then i know i'm closed off yeah. i'm like i'm looking for something i shouldn't be i i even use the like presence of signs <laughs> as a sign yeah one way or another um and it, it works for me. It's something that I've um, I've attached myself to. It has attached itself to me, whichever way it may be. And um, you're right. I never really thought about it as that being like my brand of magic. But in many ways, it very much so is. You probably don't know this, but I have a lot of synchronicities with you. Like if you're ever voxering me many times, I'm like already about to email you or like you'll pop up and I'm listening to your podcast more than anyone in my life. Uh, you always pop up when I'm thinking about you or doing something already with you in mind. And so you... I love that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's like, I won't hear from you for a few days. And as soon as I like think about you, or I can't tell if I think about you and I call you in or we're just like on that wavelength where it's like a, a simultaneous happening. But your brand of magic extends to like the synchronicities that I experience actually with you as someone that's in your life. Um, so you, it's far wow. reaching. It's far reaching. Good. That makes me, that makes me feel super good, but it also tells me how receptive you are, right? That you can mm. even like pick up on my magic, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing I love that, that with that me. Too. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, I want, okay. Can you explain what we're doing together um, on October 8th? Because you explain it so beautifully. I find myself like fumbling. It's like, you know, it's just like all the stuff I'm into, uh, mysticism and business. So we're going to be talking about that for three days. But I feel like, I feel like you have a real succinct message about what we're doing together um, and why people should hang out with us. For sure. Okay. Well, you definitely just should, period. No, you don't need a reason. You just should hang out with us, period. Um, no. So October 8th, 9th, and 10th, you and I are getting together. I've invited you to come to be my my guest co-host of a virtual conference that I'm calling the Guided by Intuition Gathering. Um, for years, I've um, it's sort of played in the space between uh, what we call the woo and business. This like using tarot for business, trusting your intuition to make decisions and set goals, all of those things. Um, with also the really practical stuff of like how to do email marketing and um, yeah. You know how to set up your website those sorts of things i've for years i've played in those two spaces or between those two spaces um but this event in october 8th 9th and 10th um is really going to dive into the like using the woo for business in a way that i've never i've never outwardly shared mm -hmm. and i wanted to bring you into this because you are um you are a master manifester in a way that I continuously admire and just like watch happening. It's like, it's like watching a really interesting Netflix show, uh, which is, which is great. Um, so bringing you into that and, um, and bridging that gap between how do you use tarot for business? How can you use, you know, mercury retrogrades to, you know, change the course of your offerings? Um, how can you use crystals to call in more prosperity and creativity? those kinds of things. Um, 
it's the stuff that I've been doing behind the scenes mm-hmm. for years. It's the stuff that you're doing out in the open <laughs> <laughs> and have been for years. Um, and we're bringing that together in a three-day event that'll be you and I hosting it, um, as well as a sort of group of boss experts. And we're going to be putting on panels and workshops. A couple of people are going to be doing some meditations and some like really interesting deep dives into some themes um, that, again, bridge the gap between the woo and the practical side of business. So it's the Guided by Intuition Gathering. If you'd like to join, tickets are available. Um, it's You can get them at beingboss.club slash gathering. It's all virtual, so you can do it from anywhere. And it's going to be a blast. It is going to be a blast. And I really believe, obviously this is my business and this is what I'm adept at, but I really believe that these tools that I thought previously were a luxury, like, oh, I'm very fortunate to have an intuition that guides me and I've been using it all along, even for clients. But now I just really think that it's mandatory for us to, as business owners in this next phase uh, with all of this stuff to get our discernment down, to hone our intuition, to get that compass on point and to use anything we have access to in the physical or non-physical realms to integrate, to pull us forward. And I think it's going to be personally what makes or breaks some of businesses at this time is your uh, connection to your intuition and and being able to be guided by it uh, in this uncertain time. Yeah. And I don't, it's not even your, it's, it's, you're right. It's not a luxury. And I think I know it's your responsibility, mm. right? To strip away all of the conditioning, all of the weird feelings you may have about like trusting your gut whenever it comes to making decisions um, that so many of us have been uh, programmed with. Um, I've been lucky enough that, again, I've sort of had support in so many places in my life that I've been able to navigate myself into this place of being um I guess empowered, though I don't like using that word a ton, to trust my own intuition For and sure. my gut and my instincts, those things. Um, so that you're right. That really is what this is about. It's about helping uh, creatives who are oftentimes highly oppressed <laughs> in yeah. their like own endeavors um, to trust themselves yeah. and to use that trust to guide them to success, whatever that may mean. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we might get kicked off of IG lives so if we do maybe i'll just call you and we'll finish the rest if we're, but i feel like it's a good place we to end i feel like it's a good place to yeah. end um thank you so much for joining i hope that everyone uh, who's interested joins us on this at this gathering i am so stoked the lineup is stacked with some real powerhouses and i have to say i'm a very efficient person and i don't do things that don't work and the reason why i meditate and do ritual work and use crystals and use my healing modality is because it, i i experience changes it's not just like this feel good ideal um so these things are going to be really practical to help move people forward yeah yeah for sure i and i only do practical too i know it's like you've got to, i feel like a lot of bosses are that way you got to do what yeah. works and as you say you've got to do the work and i think this is a combination of both of those things well, thank you so much, mm, Emily. Sure. Thank you. This was fun. Yes. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And we'll share in the podcast uh, notes ways to sign up for the event and to learn more about Emily's businesses. Uh, and we'll see you on the 8th of October. Yeah, let's do it. All right. See ya. And thanks, everyone, coming to hang out with us here live. I know. How fun was that? <laughs> okay. All right, lady. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Bye girl. 
Hi, it's Kelly. As much as I pride myself in being a mystic, I take equal pride in being an entrepreneur. And I love to share how I blended both worlds to create the incredible Modern Mystic brand. So I'm so excited to announce that I am co-hosting the Guided by Intuition Gathering, a virtual event for creative business owners with woo-woo vibes with one of my business besties, Emily Thompson of Being Boss. This virtual event is October 8th through 10th. We are bringing together a top tier of talented business owners who bring their powerful metaphysical tools to the table and are eager to share their tips, tactics, and techniques of growing a business with intuition guiding the way. We're spending three days focusing on aligning your intuition and heart so that you can use it to guide your business towards your highest purpose. We will be hosting panels, keynotes, workshops, and live podcast recordings. Plus, there's the Being Boss promise of actionable steps, practical advice, and results-driven guidance. And there's a whole tribe of bosses. They're just there ready to connect, dive deep, and do the work. Sounds great, right? It gets even better. A select number of VIPs get access to the whole gathering plus an all-day masterminding session on Monday with me and Emily. We will add our magic to what you've got going on to help accelerate and inspire. If this is up your alley, hit the link in the show notes to join us. These are truly skills that all business owners will need to hone to thrive in the new age. I hope to see you there. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.